0: Here is Bryce Johnson.
1: Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast where we unpack sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. I'm Bryce Johnson. Excited to be with you today as we share an in-depth interview that we did with Chase Kaufman. This one's a little bit longer than normal but Chase really takes us into the journey. He takes us through the journey uh, of his NFL career and, and, and all that, that it took place and some of the, the struggles that he had and the, the emotions that he went through and questions and, and ultimately how his faith grew during an NFL career that, that didn't turn out how he thought it would, how he hoped it would. And, and so how does he deal with that now? And so I think you'll, you'll be encouraged uh, with this interview. There, there's a lot there. Uh, there. There are a lot of great nuggets throughout uh, that you got to listen for. Uh, I hope you'll enjoy this and then stick around. Uh, I won't go too long at the, at the end of the, the interview because the interview is so long, but, but I'll share just a couple of thoughts uh, that I had from the, the interview. But before we jump in, let me ask you this. Do you need to get your own health insurance? Well, go to healthmarketgenius.com. Know your options, healthmarketgenius.com. Support them as they support us. Well, here we go. The story, the journey of former NFL tight end Chase
0: Kaufman. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson.
1: And joining us now is former NFL tight end Chase Kaufman. Chase, thanks so much for joining us. How are you?
2: I'm great. I appreciate you having me, Bryce.
1: We're we're excited to have you. And what's going to be fun about t- today's show is really just sharing your your story and your NFL journey. And I think you know so often we as as NFL fans we uh, we we think about some of the you know the, the the players that are with one franchise their entire career and and we root for them for that that one team but then there are a lot of guys like you that end up having uh you know a nice career but but it, it required going from team to team and and experiencing the 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 joy of getting signed and then the disappointment of being released and so um i yeah. think for our listeners today though they can relate to kind of what someone goes through during that uh experience and so that's kind of my my hope for uh today's show and so let's start though just kind of with your your background as far as growing up in a football home where your dad actually played the position that you would end up playing in the NFL as well so what was it like having a a dad in the NFL growing up
2: first of all it was it was just second nature you know like um I'm sure with you and any anybody out there listening it's like you know your dad's your dad's your dad and he's your hero no matter if he's an NFL player or doing whatever job that he has. Um, and so that was kind of my situation. I just like, I was two years old, I think, when he was done playing. So I didn't really grow up seeing him play. Uh, every once in a while, he'd bring out some of the highlights and then being around some of his old football buddies and kind of hearing, hearing the old stories, you know, the work, off-season workouts uh, when they had no OTAs, um, I don't think I still don't think that I've heard the wild wild stories but uh, as as wild as I got to hear as as a kid growing up um, so that was that was a lot of fun and then also you didn't mention my mom but I'm I'm blessed to have a great mother that was that kind of played the other part to that Um, you know my dad pushed us in sports and and kind of let us be the driver of of how much we wanted to be pushed and if we wanted to be great Um, but our mom was always there encouraging and and being not that our dad wasn't loving, but the the kind of more loving, like you know what, I don't care if you play sports. Yep. You know, I saw you talking to that that other kid on the sideline. What were you guys talking about? Uh, <laughs> you know, and and that kid didn't get to play that much. Like, are, is he okay? You know, were you were you you know I, I liked seeing you befriend him and and treat him well. And and also something that so I'm the oldest of four, and we were all able to get Division one scholarships my two brothers in football and sister in volleyball. And one thing that my mom would always tell us is that your, your sport is what you do and not who you are. And so that's something that as I continue to get older and continue to look back on my experiences, like that really hits home that a lot. Is like, you know, sister, in one point. Jesus will always stay the same. So I, I was very, very blessed to have two great parents um, and a lot of support.
1: And, and so you, you did end up, you know, playing football and because you're also a basketball player as well, from what I understand. Yep. And, and so you chose to, to play football at Missouri and, and had a great college career, which ended up leading you to the NFL. And, and so at what point in your playing career did going to the NFL become a, a kind of realistic option? I'm, I'm sure you thought about it since your dad played in yeah. the NFL. Yeah. Did it become kind of a realistic thing for you?
2: Yeah. So kind of to backtrack on that, like, I think for, for every kid, you know, their goal is to play major league sports and whatever their favorite sport is. Um, and as you get older and kind of figure out like, you know what, I might not make it. That's when it kind of changes to something else. And and part of really like what I believe is God opening and closing those doors and putting, putting and taking things out of your heart's desire and so for me, it was always like, you know, like, why, why wouldn't I make it, right? And luckily, I was able to have that success at an early age um, into high school and get opportunities to go to Division One, which was uh, expected at that time. You know, not really seen as like, man, this is a opportunity of opportunity. Kids get to do this. And then my freshman year and sophomore year really started becoming like, okay, like this is a pretty neat opportunity. It is looking more and more like I will be able to continue to pursue this in the NFL. So my freshman year, I I had like 47 catches and was a freshman All-American, which, I mean, how many freshmen get to play? So it was an awesome opportunity just, just for me to get to play and then to actually put up enough stats where I would be regarded as something like that. And then continue to just, build on it and build on it with really a a great group of coaches, a great staff and and a lot of guys that I didn't really pick to be around me at Mizzou at the time. And you don't really know what you're getting into. Um, I did a lot of praying and pros and cons list. I wrote a paper in my high school English class, kind of listing out my top four and what all those opportunities would provide and likes and dislikes. And, you know, praise the Lord. Ended up picking Mizzou, where where I was able to have have again great teammates um, that all kind of worked hard, got into the system, and were doing the right things um, for the most part on and off the field.
1: And so, following that that career at at Mizzou, it, it led to a a third round selection by the the Cincinnati Bengals, and. No, I would say you know top top three rounds the expectations are are, are pretty high and 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 yeah. to, you know that's that's a valuable pick no question about it and so what was that like you know being drafted that high and and going to a franchise with that that level of, of expectation
2: yeah so um, I mean I, again like I look back on that as like. I was pick number 98, which was that year, the last pick in the draft to the Cincinnati Bengals. And most people would be extremely pleased with pick number 98, I'm sure. But for me, it was kind of like a a really frustrating and tough period in my life. Hmm. So kind of to to build up to that, my senior year, I caught 90 passes, um, was All-American, Mackey award winner which is a tight end award in college football I broke my foot the very last play in overtime of our of our bowl game so the last play of my college career I broke my foot I wasn't able to do anything in the combine wasn't able to do any pro day workouts and kind of leading up to that seeing other people's uh, draft stock rising and and this and that and really coming from a spread offense where I didn't put my hand in the dirt a lot trying to seemingly play catch up and like, like I you know I think that I'm the best tight end in this draft class which I'm sure there's a lot of people that thought that same thing for the for themselves or you know whatever it is but being a 22 year old young man you know you, you think you're at the top of the world and the best thing since uh, sliced bread so uh, I, I it was it was really frustrating for me And there there was um, that year there was the first two rounds were on the same night uh, I think the rest of them were the next day. And so I, I was really expecting to go in those first two rounds at least and then kept, kept dropping and dropping almost out of the third round. When I finally got that call from Cincinnati, it was kind of a relief and had to look, okay, like Cincinnati, Cincinnati, Ohio. Where, where is Cincinnati in Ohio? Um, I know it's still kind of Midwest, but I've, I've never I'm not familiar with that part of the country. So kind of figuring that out, who's who's my head coach, who's my quarterback, who's, you know, the guys on the team that I that I already know of, what kind of offensive system is it. Um, Jonathan Hayes was my tight ends coach there, and he had played in Kansas City with my dad, so I had, you know, kind of a connection in that and actually lived somewhat right down the road from us here just south of Kansas City. So I, I was pretty excited about that opportunity and the fact that they – well, they said at the time, you know, we haven't really used a tight end to, to be a big part of our passing game and we'd like to try to try to do that. And then getting there and kind of going through OTAs and they still held me out a little bit because of my uh, previously broken foot. So I really didn't get that much of a taste of putting my hand in the dirt and blocking and, and doing all the things that I was asked to do until the beginning of training. And that was another really tough time. <laughs> At one point, we had we had five tight ends on the training camp, and the three guys ahead of me and the other rookie, they all got hurt. Two of them career-ending, no, not career-ending, one of them career-ending, one of them season-ending, and the other one just for a couple days. It was just me and one other rookie take, taking first team, second team, third team, uh, special team, scout team reps. <laughs> wow. During two days when they used to be you know, both padded practices, both you know two and a half three hours long and I was like man I, I at least I got my signing bonus because this might be it for me <laughs> uh started feeling and, and one of the one of the guys that that did get hurt that was ahead of me his name was Reggie Kelly and he's one of the guys that I that I still keep in contact with and look up to just as a leader and kind of a big brother to me Uh, Just continue to just tell me, you know, enjoy enjoy the little things. There's there's a lot of tough things that you're going to go through, and a lot of tough things that I already come through um, to get to that point. But uh, it was was something that I knew that I wasn't going to quit. um, That they were going to have to (laughs) make me, and and kind of throughout the rest of my career, they 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 cut me along with six. Six, seven other teams that <laughs> that I that I kept getting opportunities for. Uh, luckily.
1: Well, so uh, on a side note, we've had Reggie Kelly on the show. Awesome guy. Uh, so I, it's cool to hear you you mention him. But, yeah. but 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 take us into okay, the, the, kind of the beginning part of your your career here. You, you go a little bit later than than you hoped. Things aren't necessarily going the the way that you you hoped with Cincinnati. Where was mm-hmm. your faith at? during that time and and what was God doing in your heart and and behind the scenes, you know, beyond, beyond football.
2: Again, kind of to back up and and I grew up in the church, uh, going to church every, every Sunday with my parents. I had some good friends that parents and family Christians. And uh, once I got to college, that was kind of the first time that I had been away and kind of making that decision on my own. Was a little bit spotty at first going to church, uh, especially playing on Saturdays, and then the opportunity to kind of get together with friends after the after the game, um, and then church being early. And as my college career went on, I mean, would sometimes show up after after you know an e- an evening out, and but but still knowing that that God, God was number one, you know, even if I just said that and maybe didn't act it as as much as I have been. Um, at that age. And then as I got to the NFL, Reggie Kelly again, along with Andrew Whitworth, who um, I think is still with the Rams, one of the Rams He's their left tackle, and a couple other guys. Each, each team that I've been with has had kind of a, a small group right and a chaplain and you meet usually once through the week kind of keep up through the week checking checking in with each other how's how's your faith what are the things that you're going through because you're taken out of your environment really and your element in a new city you don't really know the guys around you everybody's not really attached like you were in college because everybody that's that's been around for more than one year understands the business of the game and the you know, that roster is going to be pared down from 90 to, you know, 53. And, and it's hard to, it's hard to get into the guys and really create relationships through that with the turnover that there is in the NFL, but continue to do that, continue to go to the chapel service every Saturday night before the game at the hotel. And, and I still don't know that I was putting God first, um, even though I, I, say that that was number one in my life and that's something that I think is um, a lifelong journey and, and I'm still trying to do yeah. but um, I I didn't play at all my rookie year. I was on the 53-man roster but um, only 47 suited up and I, I didn't suit up for one game and um, they ended up putting me on IR with four games to go because of some bone spurs that probably needed to get cleaned up. Um, and we were making a playoff run, and they just wanted that roster spot to bring somebody else in that they knew that would contribute. And so just like, all right, let's just get you right for next year. And so going into that next year, they drafted Jermaine Gresham uh, from Oklahoma in the first round. And for me, that was kind of like, Golly, look, I thought I was going to be your guy. And then kind of changed to, okay, like I I went to Mizzou with Martin Rucker. He was another All-American. We had a great two tight end system that, you know, we just killed people with. And, you know, how many teams have the secondary or defense to stop two good pass catching tight ends that can be uh, flexible and and do a lot of things? And ended up getting cut (laughs) that second year and uh, put on practice squad. Signed back with the Bengals on practice squad, and we um, ended up releasing one of the guys about halfway through the season that was that was on the roster and bringing me up. And I got to play five out of the last eight or nine games that I was on the roster. Just kind of been like some spot duty and on offense and a lot of special teams, which was like you know what, like and playing on special teams that's a whole different animal. You kind of got to flip a switch and you know. Be ready for anything and be ready to dish it out at, at any time uh so that was that was kind of like you know what like i'm i'm here to make make this team be on this team for the long term and you know show them that i am worthy of playing being on this field and i actually had a pretty good game i think uh the very last game of the season we ended up going 4-12 but i got to play a lot i got to start Against the Ravens, the last game of the season, and we came up um, just short at the end, less than a touchdown beat us. And the owner came to the locker room after the game and said, "Hey, you know, you had a good game, and you're going to be a good part of this franchise for years to come." And that's kind of like a perfect, you know, I'm ready. And then we have the lockout, still working out. I, I got married that off season um, to my wife, who was my high school sweetheart stay together through college and um, got to got to spend a lot of time back here in Kansas City um, staying in shape, getting ready for whenever they would uh, the lockout would end and and we would, were able to go back to work and so went through camp that year I felt like I had a pretty decent camp and end up getting cut again and they sent me back to the practice squad for the full season and you know each time that I got cut was just like you know what the heck like this is ridiculous and and because of that kind of grew a little bit sour towards Cincinnati and like upset at them and you know I'm sure there was a lot of things that I still needed to work on and get better at but kind of going back to what I said earlier, I was 22 23 24 years old and thought I was you know the best thing and should have every opportunity because of what I had done in college and so after that year I spent the whole year on practice squad. And then got signed by Tampa Bay that offseason. Grishiano was head coach. Um, I figured I'm going to start on square one with everybody. And I'd grown up with Josh Freeman, who was their starting quarterback at the time. So, like, man, I got a great opportunity down there. And they ended up signing Dallas Clark uh, at the very end of OTAs. So, like, my reps went from like, here to here immediately. And, and they cut me 12 days into camp got signed by the Atlanta Falcons. I got signed the week the day after their first preseason game. So I spent the the second, third preseason game in Atlanta. I felt like I practiced well, played the games well, especially on that short notice and the opportunities that I got. And got cut from the ninety down to seventy five. Usually those guys were like, All right, like your career's over if <laughs> you get if you get cut in that cut. And you don't even get to play in the fourth preseason game. But Went home. They called me the very next week after they had made the final cuts and said, "Hey, we want you on practice squad." I don't know if you got any other offers, but we'd like to have you here. I think you're a good fit. And I got to play behind Tony Gonzalez, which was a pretty neat thing growing up in Kansas City and getting to watch him. Um, so getting to learn from a guy that I tried to emulate my game after. And this season was, um, and this was my fourth season in the NFL. And this was where I feel like my biggest faith turnaround or leap was. So they brought me back on practice squad. I was doing doing great. All the coaches, you know, each week were like, hey, you know, keep doing your thing. Keep working hard. Uh, people in the building are noticing. And it's not, you know, if you're ever going to get an opportunity, it's when. So just, you know, make sure that you're continuing to stand on top of these things. And so um sure enough uh right after the halfway point of the season one of the guys ahead of me in the tight end room got hurt and i was like okay like here it is <laughs> it was it was it, the game was at new orleans and so i was at, at home you know with, with my wife watching the game and like as soon as it happened i was like you yeah, know that's you know it's bad he's out and there's probably a good chance that I'm going to be pulled up. Everybody in the building that I've been talking to has been saying And so it's basically a sure thing. And then the next morning I get a, a text from two two friends that were tight ends, uh, one with the, that had been with the Bengals with me, one that had been with the Bucks with me. And they are like, hey, man, come up to the facility. They're bringing us in for workouts. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? You know, this is like, this is my spot. And like I was, I was so so upset. Like, how are they gonna bring these guys in here when when I've been doing what I've been doing all season? I remember that night, uh, the Monday night that, that after I had I had heard from them before bed with my wife, uh, sitting there and and just talking with her and then praying. Just saying, you know what if you want me to be on the practice squad my whole life, I'll I'll be here, you know, and I'm gonna still work hard, um, but I'm gonna let. It, you control what I can't control. and I'm going to control what I can't control and have a good attitude about it. And from then on, um, not that getting cut was easier. It took a lot of like the stress and the pressure on me or off of me. So, so that I could just, you know what, like I'm going to do what I can and I can't control what, what happens around me, what, what the coaches decide, what the the GM or, or whoever makes those decisions on who to bring in, who to pay, who to, you know, get the ball each week. I'm, you know, that's, that's not my decision. I'm just going to do whatever I'm asked and try to do it to the best of my, best of my abilities. And, and I, and I try to tell that story every time that I, that I speak. Um, if I have time to teams, if I have, you know, opportunities on a podcast, or whatever, because that was when I felt like I really gave football to God and put God first. Um, and and I feel like I've been, you know, continuing to, to understand that and try to take strides in doing that for, for all areas of my life. Um, since that point, a lot of people kind of have that, you know, story of when they got saved from, you know, alcoholism or drugs or, you know, all these different relationships, whatever it is, um, and have a big turning point and and this was a big turning point for me but i was you know again really blessed to not have those hurts and struggles and pains because of you know the prayers that my parents gave me over me and and the life that that they kind of molded me and shaped me into becoming the man that i am
1: yeah man no i i love that story it, it, no, so I appreciate your your story and perspective because I, I can relate to that uh, a lot as well. And and I had a I grew up in a Christian home and and had that pivotal moment to where I realized that my radio career was my own idol and what I was holding on to so tightly and and wrapping my identity around it and and all that sort of thing and had to get to that point of letting go and and allowing God to uh, to, to have it and not not hold it so tightly. So so I absolutely. Um, relate to that, and and I think for all of us, we all have, you know, our own types of, of idols. Sometimes it's it's work related, and and for others, it's, it's something different. Mm-hmm. But but I'm curious, just kind of how you got to that uh, kind of turning point, and this, you know, this you think back to that night where you're praying with your wife and talking with your wife, and you're you're sensing the disappointment that could be coming, and and knowing the circumstances. But uh, I guess how does that? that experience translate to something uh, for someone else or how they can learn from what you learn through that, I guess.
2: So something that I've con- continued to hear, and I'm sure every athlete has heard from their coach thousands and thousands of times is just, you know, control what you can control. Like there is so much in our hand that is out of our hands um, and whatever that, whatever you're doing, like for anybody else, like, man, just, put your head down and, and do your job and do it to the best of your ability and try to find joy in that. You know what? Like there's sometimes that, that it's not going to go your way, go what you planned. But I really do think God is opening and closing doors and for, for whatever he has that is, is greater than, than you can think of right now. So I've been trying to read a lot in the last few years, uh, since being done with football and i don't know if you heard the book um the dream giver uh the dream giver talks about uh, uh, the character from a town called like ordinary or something like that and you know the dream giver god gives him this dream and not a lot of people chase their dreams out of out of the town of uh maybe it's like comfort town of comfortable whatever it is but it's, it's hard to chase your dream out of that town because there's a lot of people that say you know you, know, you can't do that it's hard it's this and that and, and a lot of things going against you but he ends up going through all these struggles all these trials all these um different things and finally get to the dream and he accomplished it and then the dream giver you know approaches him and says you know what i i want the dream back you know i want it here uh you know it's, it's time to give it up and the character realizes you know like am i am i doing this for the dream or because I love the dream giver because I love God and ends up giving the dream up. And then the dream giver, God gives, gives the dream back to him, even bigger and and better and greater than what he had ever even thought it would become. And, and I kind of see that as my football, like football was, that was, that was my, my, my big dream. That was, that was everything for me. And, you know, I made it there. And like I told you about the draft situation and going in the third round instead of, you know, potentially a first round pick or or a second round pick even. Um, And then kind of the struggles throughout throughout my career, I think I got cut and, and played with six different teams over eight seasons and like seeing other guys get opportunity. like, man, like, my guy's so much better than that guy. Or he got a, he got a big contract. Like what the heck? Like what? And, and seeing them, you know, either act crazy on social media or act crazy, you know, and, and whatever, whatever they're doing that they're being shown on, they don't deserve this stuff. And then kind of after that point with the Falcons that I had mentioned, like, you know what, like good for them, good for them, whether they deserve it or not. You know, like they've got an opportunity and hopefully they, they use it wisely, uh, even if they, you know, I've done the same, uh, maybe not on the same platform. Football for me and kind of the looking back, I always thought, you know, what if, what if I was one of those guys? What if I got a, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollar contract? You know, What would I be doing now? You know, kind of through the transition of, from football to whatever was next. Um, I got interested in taking over my own finances, and through that process, realized that, you know, the guy that I had been working with hadn't been doing some of the best things in my, my life's interest. Again, going back to my story of my parents, my back, my support system, there's not a lot of guys that I think have as strong a support system as i have been lucky enough to have. And so now I, I joined a group in Kansas City, BMG Advisors, uh, being a financial advisor, actually a couple guys um that i've linked up with that i played against uh in the nfl and they're kind of doing the same thing looking to serve athletes and other people that obviously need financial help i think that's something that that everybody needs you know i don't think that there's a chance in the world that i would have got into this had i been that guy that i wish that i was i'm still just under two years in and there's a huge, long, difficult road ahead uh, to, to, to be what, what the world sees as successful in this field. But, you know, I've, I've looked back and, gosh, you know, that, that training camp I told you about, some of the, like, eight, eight NFL training camps. I've, I've done some hard things before. On top of that, my wife and I have three little kids, <laughs> six, six, four, and one. So <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just continuing to do small things correctly and consistently every day that you know may not make a a huge impact today this week this month maybe even this year maybe maybe not even in five years but 10 years down the road you know 20 years down the road my kids have grown up to be um hopefully walking in my in my wife's footsteps and and even better and that's kind of the the thinking that i'm trying to do now is you know that long-term thinking and kingdom and thinking instead of the worldly view, you know, God's given each of us some amazing gifts. And it just so happens that the gifts that that I was blessed with um, for a certain point in my life is, you know, being tall and fast and strong and understanding football and and really having the opportunity with the people that, that surrounded me that I didn't pick to get to the NFL, to a platform that, the world sees as this is, is better than, you know, whatever, whatever it is that, that other people do. And so trying to continue to build on that, use my faith, use the platform that I that I was on for, for a moment to continue to pour into others and encourage others and and do my job well now. I,
1: I love it. And, and I do want to talk more about uh, your job now and, and kind of, NFL and finances uh, for a moment, but but let's let's just kind of finish the the NFL career story yeah. uh, because we left off in Atlanta, and yeah. now your perspective is different. Your your heart is more open mm-hmm. to what what God's doing, even kind of through your your NFL experience. But you still yeah. end up playing for the Titans, Seahawks, and Colts to kind of wrap up your career. So, what did you learn, and what was what was the experience like with those three teams?
2: Yeah, so um, Atlanta was kind of the first place that I really felt like I fit. You know, we had Matt Ryan at quarterback. We had Julio Jones, Roddy White, uh, Mike Turner for my first year, Steven Jackson for the second year. But kind of Tony Gonzalez being the tight end that he was, and and again, me from a young age trying to emulate that, the offense fit me great. And him being in his 16th and 17th year, the two years that I was there, I got to take a lot of reps. Because he knew exactly what he was doing, they trusted him to do it, and they wanted to to bring me along. So um, it was an offense that fit me well. Uh, I had a great great bond with Matt Ryan, um, but unfortunately, that only lasted for practice because don't need all the games. <laughs> but but there there was some opportunities that I had, and I felt like I made the most of those. After my second year, they. For whatever reason decided not to re-sign me and Tony uh, Tony Gonzalez had retired after that year and they they decided to go a different direction and we had our our first child our daughter that February after my fifth year in the NFL and this was the first year that I hadn't gotten the opportunity to be on a team during LTAs and looking back on it it it's like man what a blessing that I that my wife and I got to spend this time Back home in Kansas City with our daughter for for that extended period of time. Instead of having to you know have a baby, move either my wife stay with you know with our daughter here here at home and me go to whatever city, not knowing if I'm going to make the team. Ended up that year, uh, got called three or four days before the first preseason game by the Titans. Uh, and they signed me and ended up playing in all four preseason games, having a pretty good preseason. And they cut me at the end of training camp. <laughs> It was like another, you know, what? like I, I had a, I had a good training camp. I did what I could control. And my, my tight ends coach there was Mike Malarkey at the time and another one of my favorite coaches and Christian man. He, he spoke life to us. He said, you know what? I'm not ever going to cuss you out. Unless I feel like I'm just so upset with you for not giving effort. Because of the opportunity that you have. I know that you're gonna mess up. So he he played, he was a tight end. Um, actually another tight end that played with my dad for a little bit in Minnesota, been a head coach, been an offensive coordinator, and now his only job was to be a tight ends coach. And he did that really well. Understood, you know, the player has being a player of it. He's like, I know that coaches that cuss you out are not gonna that doesn't do better. You know that you mess up. That's what I try to do, just do my job every day. I had a wife and a, and a daughter to take care of, <laughs> and they ended up, like I said, cut me at the end of training camp. Guy gets hurt second or third week of the season, and I get, get back on the field. They called me back, brought me back for the rest of the season, and I got, got to play quite a bit, suit up quite a bit, the most that I had suited up in my career in a season so far this is in my sixth year <laughs> and got to play a lot of special teams got to play behind delaney walker another tight end that, that fit my style even though he's a little shorter than me but pass catching tight end and and a lot of the things that he did were pretty similar in what i was doing so um it was a pretty neat opportunity for me they ended up not signing me um back that season so next off season kind of go through the same the same process of what the heck, where you know, where am I gonna go? Am I ever gonna get a call again? We got pregnant again at that time. And we're expecting our son in October, our second child. Uh, get get called very first day of camp by the Titans. They have five Titans on the roster. Um, Delaney Walker, Craig, Stevens, and Anthony Fasano were kind of the three guys that you know, like, most teams keep three tight ends. So, like, you guys, you guys have these three guys. Like, surely those are going to be your three. Like, there's no room for anybody else. And and my coach, Mike Malarkey, he was the one that called me and he said, hey, we want to bring you back and sign you. Are you healthy? Are you in shape? And like, yeah, of course. I've been working out. I've been staying ready. And he said, you know what? Like, we have these three guys. They're probably going to be our guys. But you're auditioning for the other 31 teams in the NFL, Also, you know that already. You don't have any other opportunities. So come here and, and work your butt off and we'll see what happens. Had my best training camp that I'd ever had. Um, led led the, the league tight ends wise in the preseason and catches and yards and touchdowns. They ended up keeping five tight ends that year, which was, you know, just a huge blessing. And at this time I was bested. And there's a rule that, one-time rule that if you are on the week one roster uh, for a team and you're vested and you ended up getting cut that your salary would still be your salary even if it was not guaranteed up to that point so we're expecting our son in October um, make the week one roster and my wife comes up meets a new doctor six weeks later uh, we have the Due date scheduled C-section on Friday. She goes into labor on Wednesday night and going for an emergency C-section, and have him at almost one o'clock in the morning <laughs> uh, before Thursday practice. So I'm up all all night and call my coach. You know, hey, like we just had our baby. Like I need I need some time. You know, I said all right to to not be there today. And yeah, of course, you know, take care of your family. And and I was still sweating it, like, man, if I don't show up, are they going to cut me? Like, we still have five tight ends on the roster. And, and I really had got that much playing time that year because of and, uh And I was still kind of stressed out. But still, what an awesome blessing from God to kind of have that situation land where I had made the week one roster. My salary for the season was guaranteed or happened to be it. If they end up cutting me and we don't make it the rest of the year with being on team and still getting, getting paid and able to take care of my family and not stress about paychecks, not not that we we're really stressing about that anyway, luckily, you know, we've been both taught to live frugally within your means and, you know, kind of the opposite effect of most people were getting paid quite a bit at a young, young stage in our lives instead of at an older stage to bounce ahead to the finance part, that's you know <laughs> where a lot of guys need help and struggle. And so um let's see, in week six, six or seven ended uh, up week eight, they they bring me in, cut me in Saturday after the uh walkthrough because we had some receivers start bring a wide receiver off the practice squad They you know, we're gonna sign you back on Monday. If that's the plan back down on the practice squad. So that's, that's what happened. Next week, same thing. Get got on Saturday. And hey, we're going to bring you back on, you know, Monday. That week, Coach Wisenhunt, Kim Wisenhunt ended up getting fired. We had um, two pretty bad seasons. Things just weren't, didn't seem to click. And my tight ends coach, Mike Mullarkey, he, he ended up being the interim head coach right. at that point and I'd stayed in contact with him through all of this and kind of talking out the situation with him the whole time because um, I was real pretty, pretty close to him. And he's like, hey, you know, we want to bring you back. I don't know if it's going to work this week or next week or, you know, when, but we still want you here. I'm like, you know, like, awesome. You know, I'd love to be here. I'd love to spend the rest of the season here. But after the trade deadline, if this happens, I've had a good enough preseason where teams – have been interested in me and bringing me in for a workout not making an offer to sign me but bring me in for a workout all these times that I've been getting cut and I said no 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 you know we're having our son here I want I need some stability for my family to take care of that situation that week on calling coach Malarkey on Thursday and telling him hey um, if this trade deadline passes you know I will have to go on waivers every time this happens. And the team could potentially pick me up and I'll fly within 24 hours to any city in, you know, across America that there's an NFL team. And I don't want to leave my family here in in Nashville. My wife, uh, not even two-year-old daughter at the time and six-week-old son. Uh, So I was like, we're going to move back to Kansas City where we have a little bit more stability. I'm going to stay in shape and I'm going to have an opportunity to, to go work out for a couple of teams. I'm gonna take this word out in Seattle and kind of see what happens. But if it works out, I'd love to be back in Tennessee. Um, so I went to Seattle, worked out that next week, uh, didn't get signed, um, but they said they liked me if the opportunity came up. So spent ended up spending three weeks at home. Um, got to go to my youngest player, Cameron, his senior night game in Wyoming, where he was his quarterback, his last game there. And on the way back, the Seahawks were playing, and Jimmy Graham tore his patellar tendon. And I got a call from the Seahawks, "Hey, um, you still he's still been still been working out, staying in shape?" Like, yeah, of course. <laughs> and and so they flew me out the next day uh, after. Well, I was driving driving down through Nebraska or Iowa back home with my family, and you know Beth went away, and and my wife ended up coming up the week after they signed me up in Seattle. I stayed there for the first week to kind of get get my head straight, get a hold of the office a little bit, and spend a whole lot of time diving in before they got there. Um, luckily, I had family back here in Kansas City to help out with her, and so my mom and wife and two kids flew up to seattle that monday night after i'd been there for a week uh that day i just signed a lease after i got out of meetings and stuff got another rental car for them and picked them up from the airport that night got back to our, our apartment and the next day they called me and cut me <laughs> and i was like are you kidding me you know you know what at least you know, I'm, I'm controlling what I'm controlling. At least it's a one, more, one more paycheck. And uh, we've never been here in the northwest part of the country. Let's just enjoy Seattle. Um, I don't want to be running around and, and crazy. If another team calls, we'll just fly back home, and then I'll fly out from there. And so just kind of enjoyed the Seattle area for a little bit, went around – um, let my daughter play on some parks and uh, and it's a beautiful beautiful area it really never gets below freezing and a little misty and rainy during the winter months but uh, it was a lot of fun to kind of get to know that area for that week and then guy that they had brought in in my place ended up getting hurt that that week and they called me back and said hey or you know are you Still healthy. (laughs) I was like, Yeah, and I'm also still right down the road, so I'll be up there in a little bit. Uh, They signed me back for the rest of the season, got a little bit of playing time. Week 17 of the season, we were playing at Arizona and got to catch uh, the touchdown pass there, um, which was Russell Wilson's franchise, franchise setting, record setting touchdowns in a a season ball. uh, during the game I didn't know that but you know catch the touchdown of course run it over give it to the equipment manager and, hey hey can you hold on to this like I want to keep this ball yeah. and so the next day go in and he's like hey Chase Chase we got hey I have something to ask you so this is the situation Russell you yeah. know this is what season, season record touchdowns the season ball um do, do you mind if we give this one to him and we'll just paint up another one real nice. Will we, we ever know the difference? So that's
1: what you got the so, you. I saw that.
2: So here, here we go. Here's, here's, here's the fake.
1: <laughs> cool. Hey, that's all right. It still represents it.
2: But yeah, um, it was a pretty neat opportunity and a great, great organization. Um, Coach Carroll, Schneider, the GM, um, and the players on the team that were captains and leaders on on that team. I mean, it's no wonder that they have had the success that they've had and sustain, sustained that. Um, so they ended up not signing me after the season. We had ended up losing to the Carolina Panthers and Cam won MVP, and they went to the Super Bowl. Um, and spent another offseason kind of wondering, you know, what is another team going to sign me? I'm going into my eighth season. Uh, I've made some plays here and there, but not really like anything – breakout or standout where team's like, you know, hey, this guy's going into his eighth season. Let's make him the future of our program. <laughs> and, you know, I made it well past the average of of I think just under over three years. Yeah. And ended up uh, towards the end of the off season, first day camp, Colts called me up, signed me, and had a pretty good camp there. Ended up making the team out of camp. Talking to my talking to my buddy, um, one of my best friends, been uh, one of my best friends since fifth grade, and telling him like, yeah, you know, I made it. It's you know, it's a pretty pretty awesome um, opportunity here. But I didn't I didn't think just because of the numbers and you know I'd kind of seen plenty of times play out before. I didn't think that they were going to keep me. But you know, what a great opportunity. Shortly after that, so this was the day. This was the day after. They said, yeah, you made the team. Uh, what wires? People come through, and we had put in claims for, like, three defensive backs because we had a slew of defensive backs injured that were our starters that were they were going to keep on the roster. And then uh, somewhat shortly after I'd made that call to him, i get a call and say, hey, you know, bring your iPad up to the facility. And I was like, go have to. <laughs> and, and got cut again. But – I was like you know what like uh, at least I was able to to be there during camp and and still be ready i had gone through camp and now teams know that I'm still still in shape and ready if they have an opportunity for me and so um had one or two workouts uh the first couple weeks of the season didn't get signed and then Indianapolis called me back uh week seven signed me one of their tight ends got hurt so I played week seven and week, week eight for him. and that tight end ended up getting a little good enough to, to potentially play. And it cut me about 30 minutes before the deadline that um, all my benefits for the year would have become vested. And, I mean, that, that is really just really goes to show you the business. But at that point in my career, and like I said, kind of giving this game to God and putting God first, like, you know what, like, there's the opportunity that I would have never even gotten those two game checks, and I've made it seven, you know, eight eight years with those two games and preseason in a, in a league where not many people even get get the chance to do it, you know, with those dreams starting up. And I still stayed in shape and I still waited, but that was kind of the last time that I ever uh, got a snap from the NFL. And again, I was a little bit sour towards it, and having two kids at the time that, you know, kept my wife and I really busy, there's not a lot of time to watch football or really be involved in in too much stuff outside of that. So, um, I mean, God has really provided and given me a great head start and a great story and a great platform uh, to continue on into into this next chapter of life.
1: Man, no, it's awesome. And I appreciate you sharing. And, and I, I just don't think we hear those stories enough of of what it's really like for guys to, to hang on in the NFL and, and for you year after year. And I was even reading on your, uh, your LinkedIn page, you, you wrote playing professionally required a level of dedication and perseverance. I sometimes wondered if I was capable of, but I knew quitting was never an option. And, and, and really it's, it's guys like you that have that mentality that, that are able to you know, kind of get through the the cuts and and to keep coming back year after year. Whereas there are some guys that say, "All right, forget it, I'm done. That that mm-hmm. first cut, I'm I'm, I'm not going to work out anymore or whatever." Um, yeah. but to play as long as you did and to get all those opportunities, just as a fan, it's cool to hear about. And uh, as hard as it was to also recognize, man, you still got to be in the league for that long and to play with guys like Tony Gonzalez and to experience all that you did and to now. You know, catapult yourself into a financial career where those relationships will help and and all those connections and all that 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 you learned through that uh, will benefit you and your clients now in the financial realm so um so yeah, so a lot of cool takeaways from from your story, so I appreciate you sharing that and 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 we'll talk for a moment about the the financial side because it's a fascinating topic to me because we hear the stories over and over of guys that go bankrupt or how quickly they lose their money after they, they quit playing and some of the mistakes that are made. And, and I guess my question was always, how come the guys don't learn from the guys before them? And why do we continue to see the same patterns? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I've, I've heard some uh, theories on that, but I'm curious what your, your thought is on that. Um, well,
2: number one, I, I think that you, are exposed to it at an age where, you know, for professional sports, baseball, basketball, football, kind of the main ones, you're able to get in at 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24 years old, and the average career is maybe three years. So at that point in your life, there's not a lot of us that have financial experience, business experience, life experience, and you just kind of have to trust people. And that's really hard to do when you got a lot of people coming at you with hands out or opportunities. You're always told, you know, what just just control and do what has got you here. And that's practice, that's um, lift, that's nutrition, um, all the things, all the things that that have been steady for you, right? And there's not a lot of guys that have grown up around sound financial people. Right. So like an, an advisor, there's not that many guys that have had an advisor, um, whether your dad, your friend's dad or mom or, or whoever in your life that you can say, you know what, like I can really trust you. And there's a lot of agents, there's a lot of financial advisors, there's a lot of insurance, I mean, all kinds of people that are, uh, you know, <laughs> the NFL and professional sports is something that there's a, a big microscope on. And it's fun to be around and it's a fun environment. It's a fun atmosphere. It opens a lot of doors that, you know, other industries don't have opportunities to get into or people have an opportunity to be a part of this, this party or this event or Nike, Under Armour, Adidas, uh, you know, all the, you know, women, all everything that's tempting to a young man. And, and some of those advisors or agents or or people that are trying to get in or, you know, doing it the wrong way and throwing these flashy things in front of these young men. And it's like, you know what, like they're, they're doing this for me and this is what I like, you know, I'm going to go with them when they're, they're doing that with a plan because they've had a little bit more life experience and their motives may not be that good. Or, I mean, even people with with, with good motives that just don't have the right support system around them um, and understanding of, of the financial business and investing. Um, So there's kind of two types of that. And then there's a lot of times that I say, you know, there's, there's a, there's a handful of guys that they either have to part with their money, um, or their family. And you would rather keep your family over over the money, because they've been around forever. And maybe they don't quite understand what's in your best interest. You know, like, man, like I took you to practice every day I took, you know, I, I gave you cleats, I gave you, you know, all this and that, like, I need I need a house. I need the same car that you're driving or, you know, jewelry that you're wearing. You know, when number one, they probably shouldn't be, you know, wearing that jewelry yet. They probably shouldn't be wearing, driving those cars yet or buying the house that they have yet. Um, but they have the, the money to, And they, they, you know, honestly want to help out their family. They want to help out their friends. They want to start the company that, you know with your brother, your cousin, your uncle that they've been talking about since you were a little kid. I, I want, I want to, I want to see everybody come up around me too, but you have to understand that. And it doesn't just pop up. It's not easy. You know, they, they also didn't go through, you know, the train camps and, you know, the cuts and, um, you know, the conditioning that you did maybe, uh, whatever that is. And, and, and that stuff takes time. Takes time to grow a business. It takes a lot of work. You didn't just get to the NFL or whatever major league sport it was. Like you put in lots and lots of years of time into that, and it just so happens that you know because of your age, that kind of limits those things. And in business, you know, you can say, "Well, you know, I'm old enough to, have the opportunity to start a business now, and I want to be successful because I'm old enough to start a business." in reality like you have to put a lot of work into it and and care for it and nurture it and and go around and and continue to do things that that people say and that you you should know that make that become successful before it actually becomes successful even when it seems like there may not there may not be a chance that this meeting with this guy is going to pay off and and that's kind of something that that I had to do with working out in the off season. I didn't know if there was going to be another call, but I had to keep working out and running routes and, you know, agilities, conditioning, um, Mm -hmm. lifting weights, even though that I I knew that there may be an opportunity that, that I was never going to get a call again, Mm -hmm. because that was something that was on my heart and I wanted to be ready for the opportunity when it came. And, you know, coming into business now and the financial advising, you know, that's, I I just talked about meeting with people when you think that, you know, this, this may not lead to anything, you know, why why am I seemingly wasting my time when I could be meeting with somebody else or, you know, spending time with my family or or whatever that is for whoever. But one, another thing that my, my dad told me that I still hold on to, uh, there's, I think it was, I think it was in Tampa Bay when they just signed uh, Dallas Clark, it's like, why why should I even report to camp? You know, like, all my reps have gone down. I know that they're going to cut me. You know, it's just a matter of, you know, which day. Should I just tell them that I don't want to come so I can have an opportunity with another team? And, you know, praise the Lord, the opportunity came with a great team in the Falcons that fit me well that year. But he said, you know what, if there's even a chance that you'll make the team, are you going to show up? Said, yeah, you're right. Like, I, I have to go. I'm not going to quit. You know, I, I'm part of this team, and you never know who's going to get hurt, and when and and I have to show up and make sure that if there's a chance that I will make this team, that I do everything in my power that I can control to make sure that it works, and and that's continued to to push me along all the way up to this point, and you know, hopefully, I'll have tomorrow too. <laughs>
1: Amen, amen, man. What I, I can relate uh, as well to to that mentality, and and I think for those listening, just the the idea of of staying ready, and and it's kind of cliche in, in sports, but I think you're you're a great example of that. That yeah, you you may not get the call, but you better be ready because when that call does come, or if that call does come, you, you got to go. And, yeah. and and even uh, you know for for me being in ministry. I have a lot of donor meetings and some of those don't turn out, but I don't know which ones will and which ones won't. And so often I'm mm-hmm. surprised that the meetings yeah. that I didn't think were much ended up being so fruitful and God used that conversation in, in tremendous ways. And mm-hmm. um, so I think there's a, yeah, there's a parallel for all of us to yeah make the most of the, the season that we're in stay ready. Yeah. And, and uh, even if it doesn't happen, it doesn't mean that, that the value mm-hmm. of, being ready doesn't prepare us and even in the future so yeah
2: yeah the value the value of going through that situation that's right. right like i mean god god can be preparing us for something that we have no idea about lying lying just beyond that opportunity but he's he's growing you and building you up so that you are ready for that and he knows that you know you've been trusted with small things so now you can be trusted with with even bigger ones
1: that that's it and and sometimes the rejection is what we need because it, it humbles yeah. us, and it, it points mm-hmm. us to him and our dependence on him. And so when the calls yeah. come, there's there's value in that too. So, um, mm-hmm. man, no, it's awesome. So that we'll, we'll end it right there because uh, that's a that's another great uh, message and principle to uh, to take away today. So Chase, man, this was an awesome conversation and, and appreciate all the, the the nuggets that I think we can pull away just to to encourage. Uh, ourselves today as, as I listened and our listeners as well. So, uh, so thanks for being willing. And, uh, I wish you the best with your, your new career in business and, uh, and helping people out and, and especially in the financial world, which is so, so key and to, uh, to help hopefully good stewards and generosity and, and teaching people, uh, th- those principles as well. So, so keep up the great work.
2: Yeah, I, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on Bryce and, uh, yeah, keep, keep doing the Lord's work, man. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Well, there's Chase Kaufman joining us here on Unpacking It.
2: Intriguing guests and inspiring
0: conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson.
1: And we're back in the Unpacking It studio to unpack the conversation with Chase. And what a story. What a, what a journey. I just sat back and listened. I mean, he, he went for it, and, and I appreciate all that he shared. And, you know, it, it, it's tough to think you're going to go a certain direction, and then it doesn't turn out exactly how you hoped. And then to be willing to embrace the journey that you, you did have and, and, and ultimately how God prepared you for what was next. And, and now Chase has a whole career in front of him as a, a financial advisor and the number of people that he can help and all that he learned you know, through that, that process. And uh, the, the growth spiritually is ultimately what matters most, not, not how many touchdowns you score or how many Super Bowls you win for that matter. And, and, and we say that, like, but do we really believe that? Because we, even in our own lives, we think it's more important to have, you know, the accomplishments or the the house or the money in the bank or, or whatever it is for us. But sometimes we don't get all that. So then what? Where does that leave us? Do we still love God? Do we still trust him? Do we believe in his plan for us? And, and it, it can be tough. What, what if we, you know, thought we were going to be a first rounder, so to speak? You end up being a third rounder. And then you think, all right, I'm going to spend my whole playing career with with one team, but now you're going to play for one, two, three, four, five, six teams. I, I mean, that's that's tough. So we have to look at our own lives and, and consider, you know, do we embrace the challenges, the disappointments, and and the the changed plans? It's uh, it was a lot. there was a lot. There was a lot there, and and I thought, you know, the, the part we were talking about learning to. Just control what you can control, and you can't control the injuries all the time. But you can control being healthy and staying in shape, and you know he was talking about being ready for the call. You can control that. Uh, you can control, you know, how hard you work, the attitude that you have, and and all of that translates for us too. We we can control certain aspects of our life, but so much of it is out of our control, and we've talked about that on this podcast, and it's a common theme because. We we wrestle with this all the time. We want to control everything. We want our our life to go a certain way according to our plan and, and our dream. And what, what what do you mean I'm not going to be a first rounder? Or what do you mean I'm not going to uh, get pregnant the first time around? Or what uh, what do you mean I'm not going to have a a big job? Whatever it is, fill in the blank. You fill in the blank for yourself. Um, and then what happens when it's a little different? We can continue to, to control what little we, we do control, and, and oftentimes that really is our effort and attitude. That's what it comes down to. And our perspective and our approach and, and choosing to obey and trust and surrender to the Lord each day. And because if, if that's what we do, whatever ends up happening, we know that, man, eternity is secure. God loves me. He cares for me. He, he does have a plan for me. It's not exactly this the plan that I thought, but he's got a plan for me. And when we cling to that, then and we say, all right, Lord, you're in control. I'll do what I can do. I'll remain obedient. When you show me to, to move, I'll move. Until then, I'll remain patient. And it's easier said than done. But that's, that's what we have to continue to you know, pursue and, and continue to ask the Lord for strength even in that. And then the other part of the, the conversation, he was talking about the book The Dream Giver and and some of the concepts around that. And you know, I think that's very crucial as well, because we have to hold our lives with open hands. And we all have dreams. Some of them are big dreams to to be an NFL player, but sometimes we have dreams of being in a certain neighborhood or living in a certain city or a dream vacation or whatever. But we have to hold everything with open hands, seek the dream giver, seek God above all else, not just what he can bless us with and not just seek the blessings, but seek the blesser and, and not seek creation, but seek the creator and love the creator more than, than his creation. And, and the wonderful things that we get to enjoy are great, but it, but we can't elevate them beyond God and who he is and, and, and his character and his goodness and, 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 Loving him and embracing all that he has to uh, to offer us in his presence, and and as we rest in him, not just the you know the wonderful things that that he gives us, the wonderful gifts that he gives us, the blessings that he gives us, Th- those are all great. But but if if we're not connecting with him regularly and 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 having that ongoing relationship with him, we're we're missing it because then all of a sudden we, we it's easy to drift into the dreams, the blessings beyond the blessing or dream giver. And so we have to reorient ourselves and realign. And, and, and I get that, trust me, I get that. And I've shared before, you know, I had the dream of being the next Dan Patrick. And, you know, part of my story was God changed my heart and and sent me on a different path, a different direction that I'm most likely at this point, not going to be the next Dan Patrick. I'm not, I'm not on that path. I, I love doing this podcast. I, I love talking about the topics that we talk about. Dan Patrick is talking about the, the biggest sports stories in the moment, 9 to noon. I love his show. I listened this morning. Uh, but that's not the path I'm on. God had a different path for me. I'm I'm Bryce Johnson, and I'm unpacking it, and and that's the the call and the dream for me. But I had to die to the dream that I had initially coming out of college. In God's goodness and just the way he works, a couple years ago, the Unpacking It radio show was on Dan Patrick uh, Radio, Sirius XM, the Dan Patrick Channel. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. I was talking faith and sports, doing this show. Now it's a podcast, but but back then, like last year, I guess, it was on Sirius XM, Dan Patrick Radio. Uh, so God does amazing things, and so you know, for Chase, he's got his own journey, and, and and you heard some of that, and his story's not over. My story's not over. Your story's not over. God's up to amazing things. We just got to trust him and keep obeying him and, and follow his plan. His plan's the best. Even if sometimes he allows some disappointment and uh, allows the, the stripping of the idols in our life, the dreams that we've prioritized, our own selfish desires sometimes that, that, that can overtake our minds and, and we hunger after that more than we hunger after him. And, and he'll allow those things to go away. And take those, you know, take us on a different path, kind of away from those things, so that we can see him uh, clearly. And and so that's a wonderful thing. That's a blessing. So uh, so I hope you enjoyed Chases. That's a real blessing. That's the true blessing. Um, So I hope you enjoyed Chases interview and would love to know your thoughts you can send me an email bryce at com. i know this was a long one today so uh, for those of you that that listen all day and uh we've got a loyal listener that that listens uh while driving a ups truck so so hopefully he's he's in for the long haul i know people listen to the podcast sometimes on a, a, a bigger speed which come on you got to put us on one one times you are putting us on two times the speed That means I'm sounding real fast right now. I sound real fast, don't I? Come on. Come on. Slow us down. Slow it down. Chase talks slow. Hey, we can appreciate that. We're always in a hurry, right? But uh, no, even if you listen to us on 1.5 speed on your podcast player, that's all right. We appreciate you listening. So uh, shout out to Brady on that one. But uh, but anyway, have a great one. And uh, as always, I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected and through faith. I have been saved by His grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great one. We'll talk to you next time, right here on the Unpacking It podcast.
0: For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T dot com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackin'it.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.